Welcome to Swiftly Spoken, a fan-made Taylor Swift podcast in which we analyse her artistry, including her lyricism, music videos, and full album retrospectives. We are your hosts, Lisa and Cameron, and in this episode, we're going to be discussing everything we know about what the cancelled Lover Fest could have been, including the set lists and possible guests. For this episode, we have compiled all of the information from the announcement and lead up to what the fest was going to be before the shows were ultimately postponed and then eventually cancelled. And we're going to be going through the hints that Taylor may have dropped about the concerts, as well as laying out everything we have been able to find from information given by venues, supposed leaks or other sources, all about what this Loverfest could have been. First, we're going to go right back in time and look at the announcement of Loverfest. So Taylor said that the album Lover, kind of she associated with open fields and sunsets and summer. So she really wanted to perform these songs in a way that felt authentic to the themes of the album. So Taylor said she wanted to go to places that she hadn't been before and play festivals. And where there wasn't festivals, she created some, which was obviously Loverfest East and Loverfest West. So what's quite interesting is that Taylor hasn't really done festivals since the Fearless era, and she was going to be the first female performer to open the NFL stadium. With that in mind especially, it's such a shame that these festivals were eventually cancelled. I really do think that they fit the lover aesthetic, like that feeling of a summer festival. So I really do think it's such a shame. Yeah, no, I do agree. I feel like, yeah, the lover songs are, like Taylor said, these kind of open fields, summer, um, like bright skies. And I think that, yeah, maybe these songs wouldn't really have resonated well in like a dark concert or arena the idea behind this the lover um fests and the festivals and concerts and stuff was really cool and did really fit and it would have been really interesting to have seen how these songs would have been kind of performed on stage and especially at um festivals you know where the kind of your like uh, most of the audience and stuff aren't necessarily all of your fans so it would have been really interesting to see how it kind of would have gone about and it would I think it would have been a really really different experience from Reputation and I think when Reputation tour ended I did think what is Taylor going to do next like you know she was playing these massive massive stadiums like a huge stadium tour and it's almost like what do you do next after you've done that and I think that the love of fest idea was a really cool new alternative and initially upon the announcement I was slightly confused because I was like oh gosh um, I'm someone that quite likes when I go to a concert to buy seats I quite like having a seat that mm. I know that, you know, you don't have to worry about running and fighting someone to try and get close to the stage. You know, you don't have yeah. to worry about any of that. It's a, yeah, um, it different can be a kind of, of experience, yeah. yeah. But um, obviously previously, so for the UK, one of the dates was Hyde Park. And obviously she previously done that on the 1989 World Tour. And obviously, even though that was technically an all-day festival, her she did the full tour set list with the full stage and everything. So I wasn't too concerned. I thought, oh, no, it would still be, you know, a full kind of set rather than, say, just an hour or something, because sometimes at a lot of festivals, the, the set lists are quite short. Um, so um, was it is really intriguing. It was really intriguing to see what was going to come, and obviously we never really got to see it. So it is quite sad that we never got to see what Lover Fest was. For sure, what she was going to do with the Lover Fest was going to be so very specific to that album as well. And I think the way that the album was written really played into that kind of concert like that kind of performance a live performance especially so it's such a shame that we never got that and as you said I don't think anything that could be coming in the future would ever be compared to that to be honest with you I think that if we're going to get anything in the future it will be kind of like this Taylor's version 
concert thing where she does all of her greatest hits and that in my opinion who knows yeah no I, I feel like I feel like she'll probably go back to stadiums again yeah I think that um yeah she'll kind of it'll be back to the kind of reputation tour kind of feel again of big stadiums and stuff I think that lover the lover album was the one to really do the festivals like... and the summer kind of open air yeah and also <clears> because <throat> it was such festivals are such like they rely on many different moving pieces so not just taylor and her team but also like the various different venues and organizers for each yeah. festival individually so except for obviously the ones that she was making in in the usa fest lover fest east and west i think that also yeah the way that lover was promoted was obviously very different as well obviously previously with um she kind of gone back to the kind of almost like 1989 promotion of appearing on lots of stuff doing you know lots of performances on talk shows and things like that and obviously having like a kind of big lead single again whereas obviously with reputation there was kind of no promotion at all Mm. and then again with folklore evermore and uh, red and fearless taylor's version the promotion again has been kind of more subdued and taylor it kind of is managing her promotion and you know is kind of promotes massively and then kind of goes back to having kind of a private life yeah and i think that that will be very similar i think that because I think she's really, really comfortable with that kind of promotion where she can kind of separate her personal life with her kind of public life. And I think that that then will reflect the tour. I think the tour will be very different again and will be very similar with reputation because of the way that she's kind of promoting now and is kind of managing promotion of albums and concerts and stuff. Uh, Whereas Lover kind of was all out again, you know, on GMA again and big performances on Graham Norton and um, the VMAs and stuff like that. It would have been exciting to see what we would have got. But obviously, if Lover Fest had gone ahead, we wouldn't have got things like Folklore and Evermore. So it's kind of, it's very yeah, bittersweet, it's, isn't it? It is. Yeah, it is bittersweet. And it's funny to look back on and, and think what we could have had and what we did have. And obviously, there's nothing to be done now. I mean, you, you never know with Taylor, she might have like this resurgence of Lover and maybe do a few shows or something. It would be nice to see what she had in mind. Because from her Apple interview that she did during the Lover era it's clear to see that she had it all kind of sorted out the lineup in her head seems to have been thought out and sorted things seem to have been basically planned and were almost ready as we're going to talk about in a minute so it's a shame to see that all in a way go to waste but in another way different we've got very very different and amazing things even so so for anyone who doesn't really know what we're talking about right now the lover fest was an organized tour of sorts to promote lover the album it was going to include appearances at various festivals as well as taylor creating her own festivals in the usa which were named lover fest east and lover fest west it was going to start on june the 20th 2020 and finish on august the 1st 2020 so it wasn't so much of a tour and this was in part due to her mother's health she mentioned that due to her personal circumstances at the time She wasn't going to be able to go out on a tour where she could fix months and months of dates. So festivals worked out in a way for her that she could go to these specific dates, which were already organized, and then create a couple of her own and work the Lover album into this performance in that manner. The tour would have included Taylor's first ever shows in places like Denmark, Poland and Portugal. Some of these dates included the 20th of June 2020 in Belgium, The 28th of June 2020 was going to be in England and she was going to be the Glastonbury headliner. I was so excited for that. I was so, so excited to see Taylor 
And I was really, really, I was hoping that with the kind of Glastonbury headliners, sometimes there's a lot of controversy around them. I remember when Adele was announced, lots of people were like, oh, Adele doesn't really suit that kind of vibe. Her song's really slow. She did Glastonbury, absolutely killed it. And then got even more appreciation. And I was really hoping that that was going to be the same for Taylor, that she would perform and people would, like, you know, people's eyes that haven't been open to how amazing she is as a songwriter and performer and singer would suddenly be like, whoa. And I was so excited for her to kind of get that moment and perform on Glastonbury, which is like obviously like basically the biggest festival in the UK, at least. Um, and I was and it was such a shame that she couldn't do it because I really, really was so excited to see what she had planned and was so excited for her to kind of get the recognition. It is such a big performance to be a headliner. And it's really such a shame that she didn't get it. I hope that one day in the future, obviously not to promote Lover, of course, but just to promote her music, whatever it is she's go- she has going on, I hope that one day she's offered the headlining position at Glastonbury I again. Definitely think, I definitely I think, think she, she could do such a good performance. Yeah, me too. I really, really think she... I think that, yeah, at some point in the future, and Glastonbury does eventually go ahead again, I generally think that she will probably be a headliner again continuing on with the dates she would continue around europe interesting for us of course was in july on the 8th she would have been in spain then she would have gone to portugal and then on the 11th she would have gone to england so these were kind of the dates that we would have maybe have been at Um, yeah the yeah the 11th i had tickets for so i had two tickets to go to hyde park which i was so so excited for the first time i ever saw taylor was on the 1989 world tour in hyde park So it was really exciting to go there again. And I bought like early entry tickets that meant that I was there. I could get in before kind of uh, the general audience to hopefully get an even better kind of standing seat, a standing position. Um, But no, I was so, so excited. And it was funny when when obviously COVID kind of first hit, um, everyone was still obviously not too sure how it was all going to be and I was like oh no 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 the 11th of July will be fine that's months and months away it'll be fine it'll be fine you know just a couple of weeks you know all fine and obviously it never happened unfortunately it got cancelled but thankfully Hyde Park did refund people Um, whereas I know with a lot of some of the European dates people didn't get refunded or there was a lot of because it was all organized by different individual festivals there was different individual kind of terms and conditions and policies so some were being um, cancelled before others were um, and there was a, no real official announcement at one point from t- kind of Taylor or her team and it was like certain dates were just dropping and some were still ahead some were being refunded some weren't it was all very confusing but thankfully I was lucky enough um, to be refunded for my tickets. It was very confusing how it was all going down because of like you said all of these different organisers and you know all of these different festivals had their own policies so it must have been very hard to, to know what exactly was going on because some of them really held off cancelling until the last second. Yeah, it, so. I think that was the thing. It was kind of out of Taylor's hands almost. So there yeah. was a lot of confusion and kind of annoyance. And I think people felt very in the dark about it all. And, you know, there was because no one really knew what was happening and COVID was obviously a bit of a nightmare. But um, it's a shame. I was so, so looking forward to it. But, oh well, hopefully another time. After the dates in Europe and in England, she was then going to be going to South America and then finishing the whole tour up with four dates in North America, which were the Lover, Best, West and East organised by her and her team. So it was it was nice to see that she was planning she hadn't been to in a very long time, especially around Europe and also them couple of dates in South America. Yeah, it was definitely nice to see some more European dates. Unfortunately, obviously, it couldn't really be deemed a world tour because obviously there was no, no. Asian dates. And um, the dates were quite limited, which was a shame. But obviously that was because, like you said earlier, Taylor kind of didn't want to commit to um, kind of a long tour schedule, like 1989 tour, for example, you know, that nearly went on for an entire year. 
Um, mm-hmm. So it makes sense. But it was a shame that there wasn't more. It was nice that there was more dates in places that she never played before. But it would have been obviously even nicer to have kind of been even more spread. A bit like the last kind of world, proper world tour that Taylor's really done was the Speak Now Speak world now. tour. Yeah, um, and sure. since And since then, things like the Reputation tour definitely cannot be deemed a world tour. Even no. 1989 world tour is a little bit of a stretch, but still. And I would really, really love for Taylor to do that again and probably have like a big world tour. So as previously mentioned, obviously all these dates never went ahead. And so they were postponed in 2020. And then on the 26th of Feb 2021, they were all cancelled indefinitely. So obviously the postponement of Loverfest inspired Taylor to write Mirable. So on the Folklore Long Pond session, Taylor um, said how the bridge of Mirable was inspired by the cancelling of Lover Shows when she said... When she referenced the lyrics, they called off the circus, burned the disco down when they sent home the horses and the rodeo clowns. Taylor said, I wrote this song right after I found out all my shows were cancelled. So it's like I realised here I am writing all this music, still trying. However, before all these dates were cancelled, we did get some information about what they were going to be like. So, for example, these shows we know were supposedly not only simple sets to be played in festivals, but actually full-on concerts. So this was actually confirmed on Twitter by the organisers of the Spanish event, Mad Call, around a couple of hours slotted just for her like any other tour show. So this means that even though they were festival dates, they were proper like slots for her to play like a whole concert type of show. So it's interesting to see that she had quite a lot of time allotted to her. Of course, we don't know if this may have differed, with every date, like she might have got less time slotted in some places than others. But from what we know, and from what we can also imagine with her four big dates in America organized by herself, this is probably, that that would probably be the time that she was given. So it would have been more like a full concert. Yeah, this is definitely like how I mentioned earlier, this is how I felt, especially because of what happened with Hyde Park for the 1989 World Tour, where that was not, that was like a festival, all day festival. I thought, oh, well, she was given a full-blown tour set list then with her full 1989 World Tour stage. And I thought, well, surely then these lover fests are going to be the same. And it is interesting that, yeah, that was kind of confirmed by one of the festival organisers. Um, and I'm really glad that that would have been the case. And it would have been really exciting to kind of have a full tour festival in this kind of um, very lover-esque environment. And I think, yeah, it is really exciting. And it is such a shame because I really think these... Um, sets would have been so fun and each one would have been so unique because they would have been in such different places and on different kind of festivals and um, I just think it would have been each one would have felt really special in its own unique way it would have been so exciting with like different sunsets and you know different um, night times and the different summers I just think it would have been so so cool um, and yeah. especially the fact she was given such a big time to perform yeah also the energy would have been different as well and I don't know if she would have adapted the set list for each festival to kind of personalise it, but I think that could have been a, a, sim- a, a thing that she did as well. So definitely interesting to see how much time she was allotted and would have loved to have seen what she did with it. Another detail that we know about for the Lover Fest performances is the stage setup. So from ticket websites, we've kind of got the plans of the stage and the seating that gives us clues about what the performance may have possibly looked like. So for the Lover Fest West and East performances in specific, the stage was a... 360 heart-shaped stage similar to the one that was seen in the me music video so again this stage i don't think would have been possibly used for the european tour dates however i think that this would have definitely been the stage this was the stage for both of the lover fest and east and i think it's really interesting because obviously taylor's never done a 360 stage before and that obviously 
has a to- you have to perform in a totally different way. And I think it would have been really interesting whether she would have had things like dancers, where the band would have been located, where the kind of screens would have been. Um, and normally, obviously, Taylor has like B stage stages so that she's closer to kind of the back end of the arena or you know different parts of the stadium so it's really interesting that it would have been a totally 360 stage and I think it would have really been a unique way of performing in a different way for Taylor something that she's never really done before how do you feel about that 360 stage is really really interesting and you hit upon all the really interesting points as well obviously the the stage was confirmed for the American dates whereas in the rest of them it really just depended on the festival layouts yeah but um, very interesting to see, like you said, where she would have placed the band, the backup da- dancers, the backing singers, because it really changes everything when it's 360, because obviously you have audience all around you. And I think the good thing about Taylor and how she performs is that she really is good at interacting with the audience. Yeah. So I think that she would have made a point of using that space and going all, all the 360 around that heart but it definitely would have been interesting to see how it was set up and to see if how she could have emulated that B stage with only one stage. Yeah, so, no, I, I definitely feel that. And also I wondered maybe whether, similar to, say, the Speak Now World Tour, where the stage, or the Rep Tour as well, where the B stage span round, whether maybe yes, possibly the heart-shaped could have lifted or spun, mm. yeah, to create, because obviously the band, the band would have to be located in one space. And if say if it was the top right heart, um, top right kind of circle of the heart if you were in that corner all you would really see is the back of the band so right. I wonder whether maybe it would possibly be a rotating stage to change up kind of you know the view for people that's true yeah and I, I think, I'm thinking maybe a layered kind of yeah thing, situation going on yeah, as well yeah definitely yeah maybe yeah layers because obviously that you'd have to because Taylor has obviously had dancers since the fearless tour um, but they've kind of become even more kind of prevalent on the 989 and reputation tours so i wonder whether that would have been the same for love fest whether maybe she would have dropped because a lot of the time people with 360 stages don't really have dancers um, no so there's like, a bit too much going on there's too much yeah and it's hard to kind of then see there's not enough room really for kind of a band dancers and a performer and also then trying to be seen by the whole audience exactly so, um, yeah People like Harry Styles and Adele kind of have 360 stages and they don't really have, they don't have dancers at all. Um, So Hmm. it would have been really, really interesting to see whether, yeah, the stage would have been layered, rotated, where band members would have been located. And like you said, how she would have replicated the acoustic B stages, which obviously she's done since the Fearless tour. And with obviously 989, it was the stage kind of lifted up and she obviously stood at the top of it. Um, so mm-hmm. it would have been really interesting how she would have then replicated that for um, the Lover Fest. But also what makes it quite exciting is that with a 360 stage, even if you're kind of all the way at the top, it doesn't really matter where you're located in the stadium because you still, you know, she's central rather than, you know, yeah, at the other end. Yeah, there's no back. Yeah, there's it. no kind of yeah. back. So you almost, no matter where you're sat, obviously some views are better than others naturally in every concert. That's the how it works. But it's almost like every view would have kind of been very similar because it would have been 360, which is what's quite nice. Also, obviously, like we said, the heart shape um, stage was an Easter egg in the Me music video. And I think what's really interesting is that the Me music video probably has a lot of Easter eggs that we would have only really found out and discovered when the Lover Fest gigs kind of went ahead with the kind of angels playing as the band on the 360 stage i wonder if maybe that would have been something that would have been replicated for the lover fest shows so it's really interesting um that there's probably so many easter eggs in that music video that we'll never ever um work out or discover sure that in that performance part of the me music video she was teasing things for the the lover 
performances eventually with that heart-shaped stage like you said maybe that was something to do with what costumes were going to be worn yeah uh and yeah it's such a shame that those easter eggs will never come to fruition maybe she'll she'll explain them to us one day hopefully and i remember as well when kind of covid first kind of struck and everyone the kind of concerts were all going down and then in the midst of the kind of pandemic for lots of fans wanted taylor to almost do like an empty arena kind of show where she right. kind of just performed what Love Fest would have been so that we would have seen it. Obviously, at the time, we didn't know that she was writing Folklore and then eventually Evermore. Um, but yeah, it would just be so interesting to see what was planned because um, obviously there, it would have been basically totally planned and almost ready to go. Um, yeah, from what so... she said in her interviews, it was basically all sorted out because with these things, you have to be planning in advance and six oh, months, yeah. seven months in advance, she was ready to go. And it is really curious to see like all these little tidbits of information that we're going that we're giving now, what could have been what it could have been if they were put all together. Now we can move on to what is the most interesting bit of information that we can give, which is the possible set lists of the lover fests. So the information that we've got basically comes from two sources, the first being the inner circle. We've mentioned the inner circle previously on this podcast. They're basically a group of Taylor fans that give updates about these rare performances and rare songs that they are able to obtain, but never share them. So they used to give updates on their website, which is now defunct. And in September 2020, they gave an update speaking about the rehearsals of the Loverfest. So they said that we recently obtained the band rehearsals for Loverfest, which took place from March the 5th to March the 12th, 2020. 32 songs were rehearsed for the concert. Band rehearsals did not include Taylor on lead vocals, with a few exceptions such as Afterglow, Cornelia Street, Daylight and others. So they're saying that 32 songs... 32 songs. I think that's insane. And I think that a lot of those songs would have been mashups. For sure. With like um, You Belong With Me, Love Story and Style for the Reputation Stadium tour. I think there would have been a lot of things like that. Yeah, Um, that's like three in one. Three in one kind of, yeah. But the fact that they have audios of Taylor performing Afterglow. Right. You know, they have rehearsals of Taylor performing Afterglow. Obviously a song we've never, ever heard her perform live. So it's so exciting that it's just, it's, it's so, it's like, you know, being kind of, dangling a carrot in front of you isn't it that it's like oh <laughs> yeah and you know, you, it. you're never going to be able to hear this but there is somewhere out there a performance uh, you know a band rehearsal of Taylor performing after go it is so exciting and crazy that there would have been 32 songs on the set list and that's what I think nowadays how the hell is Taylor ever gonna you know work out a set list um with obviously all the kind of re-records and all the vault songs as well as songs that's from lover that she's never even performed let alone even later on and earlier on in her catalogue there's songs that she's still never even performed um so it's mad that there would have been 32 songs um on that set list but yeah i definitely feel that a lot of those would have been mashups it's crazy obviously i think that the set list would have been adapted depending on the festival and because they're festivals as well in a way I think that she would have been forced many times to perform greatest hits. You know what yes, I mean? Like from older, yeah. from older um, albums at that point, you know, we would have got the classic Shake It Off. Shake It Off, I think Delapert would have been in there. <clears throat> yeah. Things like that. But then we would have got the ones from Lover that we hadn't got yet. So, yeah, I, I feel like. 32, yeah. Yeah, I feel like a lot of the older songs would have all been the hits. 
yes. um, rather than necessarily kind of. I do feel though that All Too Well was on the set list. I really, really feel that All Too Well was on that set list okay. because of the, during the Lover era, that was when Taylor really started to realise that All Too Well was kind of growing you know and was becoming and that she was starting to really really realize oh my god this song is massive now the fact that obviously she performed it when she did the um desk concert the tiny desk concert um so i really really feel that all too well was on that set list which is just i've never heard all too well live so i was so ex- i was thinking please 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 but no i yeah. do feel like a lot of the songs would have been the kind of i knew your troubles you belong with me style bad blood a lot of the hits i think we would have possibly got less fan favorites fan favorites so like things like enchanted and stuff may, wouldn't might not have made it you never know obviously this is purely speculative the non-lover songs would have been the hits because of the nature of festivals like i said a lot of not all the audience is necessarily you know they're not all there to see you they're not all necessarily huge fans of you unlike a concert where they've bought the tickets specifically to see you for you yeah um so you're kind of having to appeal to an audience that might know you might not and some that are also huge fans so you have to really kind of play a big array Moreover, regarding the set list, we have some more information from another source. So this other source is known as the All Knower on Twitter. And they're basically an account that gives clues and information about future releases by many artists, but they do seem to focus mainly on Taylor. So most of the information they give does seem to be reliable and has proven true, such as they have revealed names of chapters before they actually drop, like the last few read Taylor's version chapters they were able to reveal the names of before they eventually dropped like 24 hours later. And they also seem to have the kind of cover images of singles. So like yep. um, they kind of put a blurred image of the um, Wildest Dreams, Taylor's version, single cover, the Renegade cover they also had um, had early access to. So yeah, it does seem to be a bit more kind of reliable rather than just kind of clickbaity. So they are quite a controversial figure but they tend to respect and not outright leak anything, like no music has ever been leaked from them. And I do think that they seem to work either in that field of of music and streaming, or they have contacts in that field. Because most of, like you said, the information is to do with like covers and songs that are going to be released in the next 24, 48 hours and stuff like that. So this information that we're about to give has to be taken with a pinch of salt because we don't know how much truth there is to it. But nevertheless, it is very interesting. Back in April 2021, they tweeted and they said, the entire Lover Fest set list was finalised and rehearsals were in session before the virus shut everything down. They then gave a list of songs that were supposedly on this set list, which include I Forgot That You Existed, Cruel Summer and Cornelia Street, The Archer, I Think He Knows, Miss Americana and the Heartbreak Prince, The Man, Paper Rings, Death by a Thousand Cuts, London Boy, False God, You Need to Calm Down, Afterglow, Lover, Me, Daylight, Blank Space, Shake It Off, Delicate Trouble, Love Story, You Belong With Me, And then they mentioned that nine more were also planned. They then say that it was probably not in this order. But if we look at all of the songs that they mentioned and we add them all together, plus the other nine that they mentioned were planned, this would make a total of 32 songs. So this coincides with what the Inner Circle had previously announced. Whether the All-Knower had previously seen the Inner Circle's information and kind of worked it out from there... I don't know, and whether they were just making, you know, an educated guess or not. I'm not sure, but it's still very interesting to see that this probably would have been a similar thing to what the reality was. 
I do feel, yeah, I do feel like maybe this was a bit more of an educated guess because I think realistically, if you ask most fans, they probably would come up with this similar set list. And the right. fact that they just kind of say nine more. Well, what were the nine yeah, more? Yeah, what nine know? more? Because, <laughs> yeah, like, you know, you've kind of listed, yeah, the, the big songs off level, which would have fit perfectly in, you know, a festival, a festival environment. And then you've listed all the hits, which we kind of expected. And then what are the other nine? You know, there's that's quite a lot still floating around that haven't been listed. So I do feel like that this would have probably been very similar to the eventual set list. But I do feel like it is more speculative than Stone Cold evidence. You know, I think that yeah, it's it is more kind of speculative because, like you said, I think both of us could have probably come up with this set list. It would have been interesting to see nine more, like when you go into the nitty-gritty and the specifics of it. So it's interesting that obviously there would have been 32 songs, so even more than the Reputation Stadium tour, and obviously nearly double the amount of the City of Lover concert. However, I do feel like some of the performances for the City of Lover concert would have been similar to the way that they would have been performed on during for the Loverfest gigs. So I feel like that Daylight would have been mashed with Red, I feel like that would have been a kind of, yeah, that would have been how it was. I think things like Cornelia Street would have been acoustic and the way that she performed the kind of uh, performances of You Need to Calm Down would have, with the kind of added instrumental and stuff, I think would have been how it would have been performed on Loverfest. So I do think that um, the City of Lover concert is a good place to look at of how these songs would have been eventually performed on Loverfest because it seems to be that when Taylor kind of perform is doing promo for stuff and the way that she kind of does the performances for the promo is then how it eventually kind of goes on to tour. It's almost like you're kind of... Testing uh, the water. Testing, yeah, seeing how they kind of sound and stuff like that. And also, I just feel like that's how those songs would have been. I definitely feel like for certain daylight would have been mashed with red with like long live and new year's day were for the reputation tour and then obviously wildest dreams and enchanted were for 1989 i think that that's and a piano i think that that would have been the piano moment yeah i agree with you and i also think cornelia street another great call i think it would have been acoustic and i even think the man could have been done in that in that same way i know a big performance around the man could have also worked the way it was stripped down and the way that people sang like the bridge part together I don't know I'm, I'm in two minds about it but I yeah. think that she was kind of testing the waters for that one as well I think me too I think that yeah I, I'm in two slightly two minds about that I think because the man would have worked so well with a really kind of um, reputation stadium tour kind of production on it kind yeah. of like a king of my heart performancey production like right. really kind of big and yeah an extended um, outro and intro I think would have worked really really well but I think that it also does work really well as acoustic the last thing that we can mention about this set list are the songs that we have never got live performances for and that we would have supposedly got live performances for in the lover fest so these songs are I forgot that you existed cruel summer I think he knows miss Americana and the heartbreak prince Paper Rings, Afterglow, and It's Nice to Have a Friend. These are the seven songs from Lover that we haven't got performances for either before or after the Lover era. All of the other songs off of Lover, we either have acoustic performances of, uh, from promo for the Lover uh, album, or after the Lover album, such as Soon You'll Get Better. Very interesting to see that basically all of them, except for It's Nice to Have a Friend, are very much concert sounding songs like they're songs that you can do a really big bombastic performance around such as cruel summer uh afterglow paper rings i really think she was saving them yeah for the i love agree fest. i really agree she was really saving them especially cruel summer 
because <clears throat> yeah. she knew that it was such a fan favorite. That single, yeah. She was yeah. going to release that single to promo Loverfest yeah. and she was going to make a big thing of it. Me too. I think, yeah, I totally, totally, totally agree. Um, I think that Cruel Summer was going to be, yeah, the tour single um, and was going to be the big moment of tour um, and was going to be the fan performance, the fan song. It was the one that yeah. she was really, really saving and really wanted it to be special things like london boy obviously she saved because she wanted to perform it for the first time in london so obviously she did it for the capital jingle ball uh performance but for cruel summer she was saving she really really was saving that and yep. waiting for lover fest because she could have performed it on some of the other promo things like the gma performance or even the jingle bell balls and that is as far as we know about the set list however looking at the performance itself another thing that we can speak of briefly is the clothes or the outfits that taylor could have worn at her performances at her festivals looking at the clothes and outfits taylor wore during her promo performances for the album we can gather some ideas as to what she may have worn in general at her festival performances so I think that we can both agree that everything would be very sparkly, very colourful and very pastel in general. Yeah, I definitely agree. I think that that um, is kind of pretty set in stone. I think everyone would kind of agree that that's the case. That would have been the colour palette definitely for the clothing and outfits of this tour. If you want to check out some of the predictions made by a professional, Taylor Swift styled or Sarah on Tumblr and Instagram made some very, very interesting predictions about what could have been worn at the lover fests so they divide the lover fest into various acts and on each act they picked out some really really interesting and colorful uh lover era kind of outfits so we really recommend you to check that out with those ideas from the era in general in mind and also with sarah's amazing predictions in mind how are you feeling what do you think she might have picked out for this kind of performance i think that yeah there would have been there's kind of a couple of outfits that I'm definitely certain she would have worn. So when you look back at the Amazon Prime Day concert and the City of Lover concert, um, she kind of wore this stripy, uh, sparkly shirt for the Prime Day concert. Um, it was kind of zipped up. And then for the City of Lover, it was kind of tied around her waist. And I think that something like that would have possibly been for the um, On Lover Fest. Because like you said, a lot of the outfits that are worn during the promo performances are then kind of adapted and enhanced for the tour. So I feel like that is definitely something that she would have worn. Like you said, the pastel colours. I feel like there would have been some sort of shirt for the GMA performance. She kind of had like this kind of blousy yes, shirt that's on. True. So like I feel a like, sheer colour yeah, with something underneath. Definitely. Mm-hmm. I feel like that is definitely, definitely the case. And then some of the outfits for like the Reputation Stadium tour, like the kind of cotton candy flapper bodysuit that um was one of the kind of alternative outfits for the shake it off delicate part of the show i feel like an outfit like that would have definitely been on lover fest and also i feel like there would have been some sort of structured suit slash blazer that taylor would have worn for the man performance very similar to the kind of outfits that she wore for the vmas maybe with the kind of big kind of structured uh, blazer suit or possibly even the outfit that was seen in the me music video the yellow um, yeah kind that of suit suit. Moment. I think mm-hmm. that that definitely would have been something um, and if obviously then me was possibly an acoustic song maybe that would have been the acoustic outfit or if me was kind of full production that would have been that but I definitely feel like those are things that I feel would have been the outfits how are you feeling what, what are your kind of predictions Yes, I do agree with you. Um, I definitely think the idea of like that structured blazer or suit because she was wearing them quite a lot uh, also for some award 
appearances. The N- for the NME the... awards she wore it, didn't she? Yeah, that kind of yeah. like stripy white one. So yeah, yes, yeah. like a um a half kind of one color, half in another color, yeah. like one sleeve one color, one sleeve the other, something like that. I'm I'm feeling for the man or for me and that kind of moment. And then obviously for other moments, definitely sparkly, definitely pastel for sure. And I'm thinking also maybe kind of like what she was wearing at Wango Tango. So it was much more of a laid back. It was very, very colorful. But I feel like that type of very, very high shorts and like a loose t-shirt. I think that kind of clothing would be good to perform festivals in and to be able to move around a lot especially on a 360 stage 360 stage and in the middle of summer as well it would have been boiling so i think that the outfits would have had to have been um a bit kind of more bodysuit like reputation stadium tour but lover-esque and lover-fied so you know the kind of bodysuits um the kind of outfit that she wore when she performed um me on the graham norton show that kind of again that had a kind of structured yeah, um, structure, but also it. short and like yeah, movable. Yeah, short, movable and yeah, kind of, and a bit more airy so that you're not sweating in these kind of long, I don't necessarily feel like she would have worn lots of long gowns, maybe one for kind of... Yeah, I but, think maybe for like piano moments, piano, she yeah. could have worn something similar to what she wore for her Artist of the Decade yes. performance, where she's got like that gold... Cape. Well, she kind of went through various stages in that performance and that could have been an indication in a way to what Possibly. she could have worn Possibly, so she was yeah. wearing the shirt and then she yeah. took that off and then she had that gold like little leotard kind of thing and then she's got the cape as well which i think could have been a nice replacement for like very very long and flowing things Dress, kind definitely, of... yeah definitely for summer and in festivals yeah. where a lot of the time when people are on stage in festivals the sun is like glaring on them it's boiling um, yeah so you're like it's sweating so yeah i think that it would have been very light and colorful and kind of loose and airy so that you know it kind of fit in the lover aesthetic as well as just was really practical okay so another area that we can discuss and predict is who the and friends were there was a supposed leak from back in 2019 which has to be taken with a massive pinch of salt includes possible artists that would have been the and friends again this could have this purely could have been a and it probably is a fan edit and there's no real credibility however some of the guesses i think are very realistic so i think some of the artists would have definitely been on the list but i think that the other ones would have been similar i think similar artists to the artists that are on these lists would have been included right i definitely think they did quite a good job at guessing i don't think this has any credibility to it but like you said the artists are either these artists are very, very similar artists, interchangeable ones. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely feel I definitely feel that. So for Lover Fest West, this supposed lineup um, included Carly Rae Jepsen, Haim, Hayley Kiyoko, Katy Perry, Kelsey Ballerini, Khalid, Maggie Rogers, Rustin Kelly, Selena Gomez and Troy Savan. So obviously we've got when we mentioned these and friends, it's included for the Love Fest West and East because those were the festivals organized by Taylor and her promotional team, whereas the other festivals had whoever they had. So with that in mind, you have to think of people that she's collaborated with before or that she was friendly with during the Lover era who may wanted to work together. And I do think that those names are a lot of educated guesses, because if we think back to the Lover era, these are all names of people that she had interacted with during that time. Either they covered each other's songs 
or they kind of did have performances together or they met up during the era. Khalid, for example, she um, spoke with uh, and interacted with at the Time 100 event. And then obviously old friends like Selena Gomez and then new friends like uh, Katy Perry and things like that. They all make sense. But I do think this is a bit of wishful thinking. Yeah, I think that these names are huge. You know, I think that to have Katy Perry and Selena Gomez right. um, kind of on one set list, is on a, a lineup is huge. I think that I don't think that those are realistic. But I do think things like Carly Rae Jepsen, possibly yeah. Haim. Kelsey Ballerini definitely is a possibility. Maggie Rogers. Rustin Kelly, I think, is really interesting. I'm a big Rustin Kelly fan, so would love for him to be... Um, and he is also a huge Taylor Swift fan. He's also yes. covered songs like Covered. All Too Well. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just don't feel like his vibe would have been very lover-fest. I feel like Rustin Kelly's songs are a lot more kind of subdued and kind of... Um, they're a bit more folklore <laughs> Yeah, kind of he does kind of stand out, especially looking at the lineup of other yeah, names. And, that, and that's why I think that someone was just kind of picking names of people that were kind of about. Interacting, which, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but things like Hayley Kyoko, obviously we mentioned in our previous um, one of our previous episodes that we think that she could possibly be included, included on the rep vault. And obviously she was interacting with Taylor a lot during the late Reputation and Lover era. Um, and Troy Sivan is another good suggestion. So I think that those kind of ones are definitely possibilities. But I think Katy Perry and Selena Gomez would definitely be incredibly unrealistic. Maybe as special guests, but not as... Yeah, I think maybe as special guests brought on. But to have this as the supposed lineup of like who was going to be... I guess the lineup was who was going to be performing before, right? Like doing their own little yeah. set. Yeah. So it's just correct. That's it's just. I think it's just a bit too much. It's just a bit too good to be true. Yeah, I feel like the Anne friends would have possibly been three, maybe four. Um, mm. Kind of, and then maybe people that she brought out on stage. Yeah, with her. I think that. Yeah, I think that there would have been a couple of appearances and special guests. That is a bit of a stretch. I'm thinking thinking that there would have been about three, four, possibly. So from this supposed leak that is not credible at all, but um for. The Loverfest East, the um, supposed lineup would have been AJR, Bleachers, Claro, Halsey, Hayley Kiyoko, Lord, Moran Morris, Ryan Hurd, Todrick Hall, and Troy Savannah. This one is another interesting one. It has certainly a mix of people. And once again, I can't see it being realistic. If we think back to summer 2020, was Lord. I mean, I don't, I don't think she was just about to come out of her hiding just no, to do Lover Fest. No, no, definitely not. Definitely not. Then some of them are more realistic. Bleachers, which is obviously um, Jack Antonoff's band. Yeah. Halsey, perhaps, although again, such a big, big name. Yeah. Um, then we have repeated names like Hayley Coco and Troy Sivan, which uh, we've discussed and I think are more realistic. I do think but... people like Moran Morris, again, it's interesting how these people are such a mix of, because obviously Lover is quite a mix of kind of sonic sounds with kind of country sounding songs, very pop songs. So I think people like Kelsey Ballerini and Moran Morris definitely would have been possibilities. I really do feel like that. And maybe then that's why she was, Moran Morris was included on things like Fearless. So Phyllis Taylor's version. So I feel like that is a kind of possibility. And then Ryan, who is Moran Morris's husband, I'm not too sure about him. Um, I feel like he's kind of the Rustin Kelly of this supposed lineup. Yeah, I, I feel like that's interesting. I didn't even know who it was, so yeah. <laughs> you'll have um, to excuse me on that one. Yeah, no, I th- he. I think that he would be great, um, but I feel like again, I don't know if he would necessarily fit with the kind of Loverfest feel. But yeah, it's really interesting. Todrick again is probably a possibility. I feel like 
he yeah. probably would, he would have, have been, been there. Yeah, <laughs> he would have probably been one of the performers, especially because he was promoting. Um, I think he had an album out very around the time of Lover, so um, I think that he is probably would have been definitely one of the people there. Some of these do make sense because you think of you know they were promoting things at the time. They are good Taylor friends. It makes sense, and then like. I don't know, Bleachers, Todrick, Hayley Kyoko. But then other ones are just, for me, just too out there. I just really don't think Lord would have come out of hiding just to do no. a lover fest. I agree. A couple of other names that we should mention here that could have been included in the Anne Friends portion of the show or just brought out in, uh, in the show in general are the features that were included on Lover, the album. So, of course, we have The Chicks and also Brendan Urie from Panic! at the Disco. Moreover, she also mentioned in her interview with Paul McCartney in the Rolling Stones Musicians on Musicians issue that she was going to ask him to perhaps um, play with her at Glastonbury because they were both going to appear at Glastonbury uh, that year. So that could have also been another interesting person to have in the Lover Fest and the and Friends portion of things. And obviously, Paul McCartney, um, his daughter was Stella McCartney, his, his Stella McCartney, who Taylor obviously collaborated with for the merchandise line. So I think that, yeah, maybe um, it's interesting that she was planning on bringing him out for her Glastonbury set list and kind of further collaborating with the McCartneys. This brings all of the speculation of what could have been to a close. So we've been through the set list that could have been, the friends that could have appeared, the costumes that could have appeared as well, and the stage, of course. And it's all very interesting unfortunately it never came to be but we do have something that we can hold on to which is audios on youtube of fan projects and fan concepts of what this festival could have sounded like and some of them are really really interesting so what's your opinion or what some of your favorite fan audios that you've heard like surrounding this lover fest kind of concept i think my favorite ones are the cruel summer and i forgot that you existed one i think that they I, it's just so exciting hearing them and the what they and I generally think that the cool summer one is how it would have sounded for the lover fest and especially I forgot you existed I feel like that would have had a bigger production than is on than the studio version that's on the lover album I always find these things so exciting to hear and unfortunately these are the only things that we kind of have of what maybe it might have possibly sounded like so how do you feel about these I really think there's a lot of talented remixes on YouTube that make amazing amazing projects that get us as close as to um a lover fest as we're going to be unfortunately but I really love the afterglow edits uh, there was one that We'll link all of these that we're speaking about over on our Instagram, which is at Swiftly Spoken Podcast in our episode extras. But there's one in specific that starts with Meet Me in the Afterglow, and then it's like silence, and then it's the drums. And it, oh, I just wish. Very, very like King My Heart kind of. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Vibes, yeah. A, re- a real talent of taking older ways that Taylor has remixed songs or or made them sound different for live performances and emulating that in other songs. Fortunately, as close as we're going to get to live songs for the moment from Lover, but very, very interesting nonetheless and nice to still hear. Do you think that um, Afterglow or Cruel Summer would have been the opening? Because obviously on previous albums like Mm -hmm. 1989 and Reputation, the album opener has been the tour opener. Um, And even with Red as well, um, that's the case. Mm -hmm. So... How do you feel? Because I feel like I've got you existed as not really a tour opener at all. 
taught it right. was a kind of these huge big moments and like you said with the the afterglow would have worked really well like meet me in the afterglow and then kind of the drums starting up a bit like with yeah, the reputation like the from the yeah a bit yeah. like with the reputation <laughs> stadium tour of like are you ready for it and then the kind of bass goes off so what do you think would have been the possible opener it's interesting to think about openers and closers because like you said sometimes they like coincide with either the Um, opener of the cd of the album and then the closer of the cd usually doesn't coincide so we usually get Mm. some other song like a big song from that moment for example in reputation this is why we can't have nice things stuff like that so i think the opener wouldn't have been i forgot that you existed because just like you said i can't see it being that moment of i don't know it's just kind of strange to think like oh i'm gonna just pop out and the first thing i'm gonna say is i forgot that you existed yeah so I'm thinking, yeah, Meet Me in the Afterglow would be an amazing way to just like everything silent. You say that word, you say that phrase, and then you like pop out from the ground. That could have been cool. And also Cruel Summer, but I don't know because I think Cruel Summer would have been a moment. Like it would have been yeah. the crescendo moment of it all. Not really sure. Um, I'm not too sure either. I, I, I do feel like that Lover, the song, would have been the closer. I feel like that would have been a really, okay. really nice closer. I see a lot of people when they kind of reorder the Lover track list, put Lover last. Um, I feel like Daylight wouldn't have been. Daylight would have been in the middle of the kind of set list as a piano moment, like we mentioned earlier. Yeah. Um, or maybe Me. Me could have yeah. been quite a good closer. That's the one I was going to say. Yeah, I think maybe Me, actually. Kind of like the 1989 Mortal Shake It Off moment. And I think, yeah, it would have been mm-hmm. quite similar as well to exactly. This Why We Can't Have Nice. Yeah, I think Me, actually, would have been a really, really good closer. That's that's my bet. I think Lover would be more towards the end, just yeah. like you do. But then I think she would have brought it all back for this bombastic moment of Me. Uh, just like she did in some of her promo performances. To yeah, I, I think that, yeah, Lover probably would have been towards the end of the set list. And then Me would have been the encore, probably. Um, yeah. you know ended with lover and what like uh, artists always do where they they make out like the show's over and yeah, like, everyone knows it's not <laughs> um, and then they come back and do kind of the final song with that we've come to the end of this episode it's been very very fun to reminisce over what we knew about the lover fest what it could have been and the excitement surrounding that time at that point um if you have any ideas that you want to add then please be sure to comment over on our youtube video telling us what you think could have been in the lover fest thank you very much for listening if you do enjoy our content then don't forget to subscribe over on youtube or follow us on instagram at swiftly spoken podcast and leave us a review on spotify or apple music 